1: And you're listening to the Mavs Step Back Podcast.
2: How's it going, everybody? Welcome in to another episode of the Mavs Step Back Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Trigg. You can find all of my work at Dalton underscore Trigg on Twitter. Uh, I post everything I write on there, everything we write over at DallasBasketball.com. And then, you know, there's just a lot of other daily Dallas Mavericks content on there as well. Uh, We do have a pod account, too, at StepBackMavs on Twitter. Uh, Be sure to go follow us there. And today I have a special guest, return guest. It's my colleague over at DallasBasketball.com. He does a ton of great work for us. Uh, Just posted a great Mavs film room piece on that Bucks mavs game where where Luca took it to Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, It's Grant Afseth. And you can find him on Twitter at Grant Afseth. That's A-F-S-E-T-H. Uh, and Grant, how you doing today, man?
1: I'm doing really well. It's always uh, better to do a podcast after uh, a good win instead, <laughs> instead of uh, Washington Wizards 30-point loss.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it's – look, I, I've i gotten to where – and I know most people – that's one thing that, uh you know, people applaud my guy Kirk Henderson for is that – you know he's just a machine. He will he will record a podcast. You know after a thirty point loss, after anything, he'll he he just does like daily podcasts now. It seems like, but me on the other hand, like I, I just with with all the stuff we have going on after that one, it's just like, do we re- <laughs> do we really want to talk about what we just watched? Because I feel like it would just be depressing, and after a loss, you know people. You know, the listens on these podcasts are always dramatically different going from wins to losses. So, yeah, I, I really did not want to talk about that Wizards loss. It was awful. I'm glad they just kind of swept it under the rug and forgot about it uh, and then moved on to Milwaukee. And, man, that was – it's one thing, and you wrote about this here recently too, but, you know, the mass have completely changed their identity. You know, they're they're so much better defensively, but – the mental toughness of this team is something that has been apparent throughout this regular season. They have had a handful of really bad losses, but they never they never let it get to them. They never lose, you know, more than like a couple in a row. And more times than not, they bounce back after the first loss. And that's what we saw uh, here recently when the Mavs lost by 30 to the Wizards. Just completely awful game. And then they go on the road in Milwaukee – uh, a fully healthy reigning champion Milwaukee Bucks team. They had Giannis, they had Drew Holiday, Middleton, the whole crew ready to go. And the Mavs were without Maxi Kleba, who's been struggling lately. And they went in there and they got a 118 to 112 win after trailing by double digits at one point. And that's, I believe, early in the second quarter. Or so. That was great to see. Luca. he had a fantastic game. Almost got another triple-double, 32 points, 15 assists, and I can't remember either eight or nine rebounds, but he was close to notching himself another triple-double. He's averaging 28, uh, 9, and 8 on the season, and he's starting to enter that MVP conversation, at least from my perspective, you know, at least amongst the fans. I mean, there's a lot of people giving him props on national TV and everything, but they're still still not putting him up there with those real, you know, top guys with Jokic and Embiid. And uh, in my opinion, I mean, I don't care how he started the season. I feel like what he's doing right now uh, has kind of given him a really good case for MVP, especially with his head-to-head record versus, you know, these top guys in the conversation and the fact that the mavs have a better record currently than you know the the 76ers and the nuggets and the uh and the milwaukee bucks so i i realize i'm biased or at least people will think i'm biased when i say that but i mean when i look at the numbers and i look at how the mavs have performed and just the, this tear that Luca has been on since the start of the new year i just don't see how he's not getting more attention and what he is so far. I mean, what do you think about, about Luca's MVP chances so far?
1: I think pretty much everything you said is uh, right on point. I think, uh, to me, it's just kind of weird how much stock is being placed on what uh, many people call a slow start uh, for Luca. Um, I feel like that month of October was lower production, but he quickly uh, got into gear in November. So it wasn't really like this, like, whole third of a season or quarter of a season where he was like not even playing well for a superstar. I think it's, it's kind of weird with, with Luca because the perception of him is that the bar is so high for him individually that when he doesn't meet it, it's considered disappointing. But when his disappointing in their eyes is still better than a fair amount of like high level stars. So it seems weird to get for him to get knocked for like a handful of games, essentially Um, And I I think probably the Mavericks record of like 16 and 18 through 34 games probably has a decent amount to do with the perception of a slow start. But in reality uh, that wasn't necessarily mostly derived from Lucas play. It was like figuring out their identity under a new coach, trying to get Porzingis integrated uh, COVID protocols, all that stuff. And I feel like, just in general, there's there's just a lot of stock placed into a misinterpretation. And on top of that, I feel like once the groundwork is sort of laid for certain MVP candidates, I feel like people don't want to be looked at as like knee-jerk reaction or recency bias. So they're not going to really like shake up their top five too much is is kind of what it seems like.
2: And it's weird to me because, I mean, I I get that. You don't want to overreact based on like – one game or one guy's really good week of play or something, but I mean the sample size is huge here <laughs> since since the start of the new year. It's it's not like he just had a couple of hot weeks and you know we're just trying to throw him into the mix because of that. It's like no, it, this entire calendar year and even you know like you said even uh, when he was quote unquote struggling at the beginning of the season. That, uh, his struggling is incredible for mostly every other player in the league. But like you said, the bar is just set so high for him. So, I mean, I I get that people don't want to, you know, jump on that train because they think, that, oh, well, they're just kind of, like you said, having the recency bias stuff come up. But I think we have enough of a sample size to where to where he should be right there in the mix with the rest of them. Now, it's probably not going to play out that way. Uh, based on some of these, you know, polls like the ESPN straw poll and some of that stuff that had like 100 different media people voting on it. And, you know, it seems like he doesn't have a legitimate shot. Uh, But, you know, with the way he's finished out this season and the way he's, you know, tallied his numbers and some of these big wins the Mavs have gotten throughout the course of this season, especially in the head-to-heads, I feel like he at least should be a finalist at this point. I mean, that, that, that would be what I look for, even if he doesn't win it. I think he should be a finalist. I think he has played well enough to where he's definitely on the All-NBA first team for the third consecutive year, uh, and he'll def- even if he doesn't get that, he'll be on second team, and that'll just motivate him even more. But I do think he'll end up being on that first team. And just to talk about that Bucks win specifically for a little bit, Grant, I mean, Dwight Powell – he has been I don't want to say incredible because I mean that I feel like that might be a little hyperbolish, but he's been really, really good this year. He's bounced back from that achilles injury uh he's gotten his athleticism back to where it was before the injury, which is i mean that in itself is incredible uh and he's just he's got this chemistry with Luca that's just better than any other player with Luca on the team right now, and he came out. And he actually defended Giannis pretty well in that game. And he ended up with 22 points and 13 rebounds. And he was a big part of it. And then Luca took over in the fourth quarter. But what are some of your biggest takeaways from the Mavs' win in Milwaukee that brings them to within one game of getting a 50-win season for the first time in, let's see, seven years?
1: I think, honestly, that uh, 11-2 to run was pretty big. I think Luca's just uh, being the master of, like, the chess game – figuring out a weak point and then just exploiting it over and over again until the other team has to make an adjustment. Uh, And the fact that he's so confident that he thinks uh, the weak point would be getting Giannis to guard him out on the perimeter (laughs) is pretty interesting. Uh, That (laughs) kind of tells you how good good he is um, at basketball. But, uh, uh, you know, another thing that I thought was kind of an underrated element of it, I I thought at the start of the second quarter, the bench unit uh, did a pretty solid job of kind of stabilizing uh, things uh, with uh, I think most of the Buck's uh, key stars uh, on the floor still uh, during that stretch and uh you know I think uh, they kind of led up uh, in the fourth quarter to start with Luca off the court uh, and uh, so they weren't necessarily like fantastic all around but I just figured that that stretch kind of showed like uh, you know that's that's pretty solid stuff uh to be able to trust like the bench. Uh, to that extent, and then your closer can come in even when they don't necessarily continue uh, each stint throughout the game uh, succeeding.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's that's been one of the biggest things since the trade because, I mean, we, you've come on here and we've talked about it before and I've talked about it with Matt and pretty much everyone else I've had on here, but that was the biggest thing. We, everybody was calling for Jalen Brunson to be a full-time starter earlier in the season. At least, well, I, At least I was, and I saw a handful of people that were too. Because he was playing at such a high level, and when it happened, it's like the obvious—the obvious downside to him starting was that you're taking away your best bench player. And then when Tim Hardaway Jr. got injured, it's like, oh man, now you don't have, <laughs> now you don't have that 14, 15 points per game coming off the bench either, and you know, uh, you don't have a guy on the bench that can help get Tim Hardaway Jr better shots even if he hadn't gotten injured so they had a they had a problem there and you know we've talked about it that that Dots Porzingis as good as he was at times this year he still wasn't a great fit and you know just by the numbers he just didn't affect winning or losing very much which is why it made it you know made it more of a more easy to trade him I guess is how I'll put it I'll be nice and So when they traded him and got Dinwiddie, it's like, okay, now you have a guy who can score in double digits every single night if you need him to. And he also takes on that secondary ball handler role off the bench and he can create his own shot. And uh, he's shown that he has a clutch gene. I mean, it's, it's just worked out perfectly for the Mavs. So it is nice to be able to not, you know, for the Mavs to just not get absolutely destroyed when Luka has to take a breather and I think that's really going to help in the playoff now when we get to the playoffs Luka's probably going to play like 40 plus minutes a game uh, so you're not going to have that much time downtime where he's on the bench but you know it's like we saw in game three of that Clippers series last year when the Mavs jumped out to such a huge lead it was like close to 20 points and then uh, Rick Carlisle decided to Uh, sit Luca about halfway through that first quarter and then by the time the quarter was over the Clippers were all the way back in it so we're not going to see that anymore and by the way I don't think Luca has has uh, sat a first quarter since that moment (laughs) I don't I I had to go back and look but I feel like when J-Kid came in I think that was one of the things that they talked about like hey I'm not sitting in a first quarter I don't think he's done that the entire year I could be wrong but I feel like since that moment, they're just like, no, we're <laughs> we're, we're going to see this through. So uh, I think Denwitty is going to end up being one of the biggest X factors for the Mavs in the playoffs. Obviously, the shooting of like Reggie Bullock and Dorian Finney-Smith and, you know, even Maxi Kleba is a, as good defensively as he is. He still hasn't been able to break out of his funk. There's been signs of life lately from him, but uh, it would not hurt my feelings at all if they just, you know, benched him for these last three games and just let him get some rest before the postseason and then hopefully he gets his legs back under him and contributes in a big way come postseason time but the biggest thing is Luca he is completely healthy he has turned it up to a whole nother level uh, he has reached playoff form before the playoffs has even started so that's a great sign for the Mavs and. You know, it's looking right now, Grant, we'll we'll go into our next topic here. Obviously, things can change. I mean, there's a couple different scenarios that are still in play uh, with three games left in the season. But as of right now, and based on what the standings currently look like in the West, it looks like the most likely scenario is, is the Mavs playing either the Nuggets or the Jazz in the first round, either as the three seed the four seed so it it looks like the Mavs are going to have home court and it also looks like it's going to be one of those teams it's just a matter of will they catch the Warriors or you know will they stay at four and we talked about this in a round table earlier this week and we'll talk about it again here but who do you think is the best matchup for the Mavs between those two teams you know whether it's like is it Obviously, the Mavs want to be in that part of the bracket that avoids the Phoenix Suns for as long as possible. But if that means being the three seed and facing the Nuggets, you know, would you rather be the three seed and face the Nuggets, or would you rather be the four seed and face the Jazz, who are imploding, and then just take your chances against Phoenix in the second round? I mean, what are your thoughts on how all this should play out for the Mavs? Personally,
1: I think uh, the three seed kind of by any means necessary is probably the number one uh, feeling that I kind of get from it Um, just because I think uh, the Nuggets uh, with Jokic, uh, for anyone that would be a challenge. But I think uh, with the fact that he's got limitations defensively and they can't afford to obviously take him off the floor, um, that that could be an interesting – just like clash of styles going against each other where it's like, does Luca's uh, team identity lift the team higher than Jokic's team identity? Obviously Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. are out. So it's not necessarily a fair comparison, but like with those two guys being sidelined, I still think there's some like uh, vulnerability um, that can be taken advantage of um, given like Jokic's, limitations and then maybe not having perhaps that firepower to overcome that uh throughout a seven game series
2: i mean it, it's kind of like the same concept with dirk back in the day wouldn't you agree i mean it's kind of like you know you're, you're not going to stop dirk you you can only hope to contain him exactly but you know the best way the best way to defend Dirk was to have a bunch of you know long-armed athletic dudes uh it wasn't you know having a a real big dude at center and everything, you know, you had to, it's like the golden state warriors when they upset the Mavs in 2007, that team had a lot of, you know, long athletic defenders that really gave Dirk issues. And I think that's kind of the same concept with, with Jokic here. I think, you know, throughout the course of a seven game series, you're not going to stop him. Obviously he's going to get his numbers, but you can make it really hard on him and you can annoy the crap out of him with guys like Dorian Finney Smith and Reggie Bullock. And, you know, all these other long, long defenders that are athletic and give him trouble at least. And I think that really will help you, especially like you said, since they don't have Michael Porter Jr. or Jamal Murray. And it doesn't look like they're coming back. So uh I'm of the opinion that it doesn't really matter. Uh at least in the first round. I, I agree. I think the three seed is is necessary if the Mavs want to make a legitimate long postseason run and potentially get to the Western Conference Finals. And, you know, over the course of two rounds, you don't know what could happen with Phoenix. Uh, You know, Chris Paul has injury issues, and uh, let's see, the Clippers are currently in the eighth spot, and they got Paul George back. We don't know what's going on with Kawhi. Everything's always a mystery with him. So, like, if he comes back, I mean, what happens (laughs) – what what happens in the first round? I mean, what if we saw the Clippers all of a sudden get back to full strength and uh, end up upsetting the Suns, and then if the Mavs stay in the fourth spot, then you have – if they win in the first round, you have Mavs Clippers round three in the second round. So, obviously, even in that scenario, I think you'd like to avoid the Clippers for <laughs> – until at least – Yeah, the definitely. Conference. <laughs> 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 but – uh, I mean, I'm of the opinion that it doesn't really matter for the first round because as long as Luca is healthy, uh, as long as you know all of these main pieces for the Mavs are healthy, aside from Tim Hardaway Jr., uh, it doesn't look like he's going to make a comeback for this season. I think they're going to be good for the first round, and I think they're going to they're going to have a really good chance to win their first playoff series for the first time in 11 years, which seems crazy. I mean, there's there's been some really fun playoff moments for the Mavs throughout this decade plus but they just they just haven't been able to get over the hump and with their newfound defense and you know Luca taking his game to a new level and he's getting the most help this season than he has throughout his entire career so far in my opinion so I think they have a really good shot to do it and I mean, I kind of, I want it to be the Mavs in the three seed, and then the, the Jazz end up as the sixth seed. I feel like that would be the perfect scenario there, because the Jazz are completely imploding, uh, and I, I just think that would work out best for the Mavs if they end up in the three seed and end up playing Utah and uh, avoid Phoenix as long as possible. But uh, now just talking about, this will be our last thing we touch on, and then we'll get out of here, Grant, but You know, there were some reports coming out, a couple different reports saying that the Mavs would potentially be interested in trading for Rudy Gobert uh, if, you know, if the Jazz end up blowing things up. And right now, I mean, it just – it seems like that's inevitable that that's coming this summer uh, based on how their season has gone and especially if they end up losing in the first round of the playoffs this year. But uh, Rudy Gobert, he's very good. Uh, multi-time defensive player of the year Uh, excellent pick and roll player it's kind of bewildering to me that you know i saw that stat the other day that uh, donovan mitchell averages two passes not assists but passes to go bear per game which seems just absolutely insane based on some of the mismatches that he gets on a nightly basis so he's a, he's a center. He makes $40 million a year. And I know everybody's just like, you eh, don't really need to pay a big man that much money, yada, yada. But given his attributes and what he would bring to this current Mavs team, uh, which is very good defensively. This team is great, but they don't have a true defensive anchor. I feel like adding Gobert into this mix would be like the final piece that the Mavs need, you know, to kind of take this to the next level. So – I mean, would you do it? Well, that, that's the first part of this question. Would you do it if you're the Mavs? Would you make a big swing for Gobert? And, I mean, if you did, I mean, what kind of trade package would be, you know, admissible? I mean, you know, what, what kind of trade package would be something that Dallas should give up? And then, like, what's the, what's the bar there that they shouldn't cross as far as giving up assets?
1: I think it's definitely worth considering. I think um, uh, it, it gets a little tricky when you kind of try to play around with the trade machine a little bit uh, with constructing a package. I think if you could get away with moving one of the like less favorable contracts that are on the books, like a Hardaway uh, junior or Bertans, I think that makes it a lot more appealing because then you're kind of utilizing more of the salary cap space um, to something that, uh, will be contributing like directly to like Luca's uh, pick and rolls and like anchoring the defense. Um, because right now it's like just a weird overlap with the backcourts, uh, or backcourt rotation with Hardaway. I feel like after he's healthy, uh, where it's like where exactly is he going to fit? And then Breton's obviously is kind of just like uh, not necessarily the like a big role uh fit on the team. Uh, kind of just like a guy who comes off the bench and shoots uh, uh, throughout uh, stretches. So I feel like if you can move one of those contracts where they're taking up a lot of money for what they're going to be asked to do, that makes it uh, more appealing. And I do think the idea itself, uh, there's definitely pros and cons to it. Uh, You know, with the cons being that uh, Gobert is a bit limited offensively, but I do think it is, um, in, in fairness, as you said, he doesn't really have like an elite playmaker that's like unselfishly creating shots for him. They've got like this really spaced out offense where they've got like kind of a volume shooting uh, uh, guard as the main fulcrum of the offense, but they don't have like a Luca or a James Harden who gets like really deep on drives makes the big defender make choices and throws lobs and stuff like that consistently. So I think it's definitely interesting to think about what he would be as a Maverick considering Dwight Powell can drop, like, 22, <laughs> 22 points. See, against, like, that, a that, Bucks defense.
2: this is what <laughs> I was about to say, Grant. I was about to say, you know, I mean, I, I get it. There are some setbacks to, to to doing a trade like that. But I just feel like the potential upside of it is so great that you you just don't really have to think about those. now. Down- because, I mean, there's downsides to having Dwight Powell as your starting center. <laughs>
1: yeah there's downsides to pretty much anything honestly like even like superstar pairings you're gonna have like oh well this guy may not be the best off the ball but you know this guy oh he doesn't really provide much defensively like you're definitely gonna have limitations i think the the main uh you know knock with the defensive limitations of him like kind of being a deep drop guy it would be interesting to see if he was kind of like uh deployed uh in a scheme where he's got to like play closer to the level uh and kind of move around more because uh i don't think necessarily anybody over seven feet would be fantastic at that but i think honestly utah has been like picking their poison quite a bit and living with uh you know, other teams getting hot on the pull-ups and stuff like that. And I think, you know, they kinda take it to an extreme where it doesn't necessarily need to stay all the time to the point where you're dying by that strategy when a team's hot in a series. And I just
2: I just like the idea of, you know, cause Gobert, he's he's one of the best screen setters in the game. And, you know, his his rolling and everything, it's 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 elite. I mean I, I feel like you add that with Luca and then him being able to provide you with what he does on the defensive end versus what you get from Dwight Powell, who tries his hardest every single night, but, you know, he, he's he got – I don't know what his wingspan is, but I would bet it's a negative wingspan because uh, his arms just aren't quite long enough to – you know, if his if his arms were like four or five inches longer, Dwight Powell might end up getting like defensive player of the year one one year because of his effort, but – Maybe that's me being over dramatic, but I just feel like that's how it is. He just he just doesn't have the physical tools to be for his talent to match his effort. And I feel like just getting Gobert in that role to where you're get, you have a true defensive anchor now like the Mavs did with Tyson Chandler back in 2011, obviously this would be on another level cuz Gobert is a lot better than Tyson Chandler. And you know, you pair him with Luke, I just think I think you're an automatic title contender, at least for the next couple of years until you know Gobert starts to decline a little bit. So I would be all for it. Uh I'd have to look at the salary stuff, but I think just going off of my rough math in my head, I think a package of like Tim Hardaway Jr., Bertans, and Maxi Kleba with uh with some picks, I think that would that would work financially. And, uh, you know, I don't know what else the Jazz would be offered by other teams for Gobert, uh, given the length of his contract and how much he makes and all that stuff. But uh, that would be a kind of package I'd be looking at for the Mavs to offer and just see what happens. And if it doesn't, I mean, I don't think it's like do or die. You have to get Gobert to become a title contender. I think there's going to be other options available for the Mavs this summer, Uh, but that that would be where I would start you know with a package and just see where it goes from there so we'll see we'll see how it goes going into the summer I mean is there anything else you're potentially looking for with the Mavs this summer aside from you know being interested in Gobert that I haven't talked about already
1: well I think one part of the Gobert uh, stuff um, that's kind of worth considering is given how long he's been with the Jazz and like the respect they have for him and all that stuff. I do kind of wonder how much influence uh, a situation uh, could have on like the trade returns and like where he could end up if they were like, Rudy, where would you want to go? Give us a list of teams. And he's like, well, number one, I would prefer this team to this team. And if the Mavericks were high on that list, uh, would the Jazz be willing to take a little bit less uh, to kind of treat him well part like in his departure, kind of how, uh, Portland allowed C.J. McCollum to to kind of pick where he went within reason uh, and sent him to New Orleans for a not-so-fantastic trade package.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I I, I think I saw somewhere uh, with one – there were a couple different reports about the Mavs and, and Rudy Gobert, but I think I saw one where they were talking about how, you know, Rudy – it's believed that he would want to play with Luca. In Dallas is what I thought I read somewhere. I have to look that up. You can confirm that later if you need to. But uh, I mean, I, it makes sense. I mean, they have the uh, they have the European connection. They obviously respect each other a bunch. Uh, you know, he's Gobert is the only guy this season where you know wh- you wrote a piece about uh, how Luca attacked Giannis in the clutch, and uh, you know he's been doing that all season. He did it to Steph Curry. Did it to LeBron James. Uh, he did it to Rudy Gobert too, and Rudy Gobert is like the only guy this year that has actually stopped him. Now, given in that last two-minute report, <laughs> that game there were uh, there were a handful of fouls that that Rudy committed that he didn't get called for, but still, you know that's that's part of having that elite defensive reputation. You get away with some of that stuff uh, when you have that. So, a lot of mutual respect there. Uh, it would be a great fit for those two specifically. And, you know, if the Mavs retain most of their roster as it is right now, and they're mainly just trading pieces uh, that that aren't really contributing as much right now and adding picks to it, then, you know, you're bringing back a really, really good defensive team. And now you have a true defensive anchor and you can take it up to the next level. So I would be very excited to see how it goes. Uh, We'll see how the Mavs finish out this regular season, though. Uh, They play at Detroit on Wednesday. And then they finish out the season with two home games against the Portland Trailblazers, who are tanking as hard as any team I have seen in, <laughs> in recent years, and uh, the San Antonio Spurs, who right now they still have a little bit to play for. But by the time we get to that final game, you know, the Lakers could be eliminated. And, uh, you know, that might be a, an easy W as well. So we'll see how it goes. If, if the Spurs win tonight, and the Lakers lose to the Suns, which is, in my opinion, one hundred percent going to happen. Uh, the Lakers are officially eliminated from play-in tournament, uh, from being able to be in the play-in tournament, which is crazy considering all the preseason hype that went around this team. I mean i I didn't think they were going to be, you know, a top seed in the West, but I definitely thought they'd at least, you know, be a play-in team or right at the bottom of that Western Western Conference. So. But Grant, I appreciate you joining me today. Uh, we're gonna go ahead and head out of here. And guys, I'll, you know, remember go follow him at Grant Afseth on Twitter. And you can find me at Dalton underscore Trig and the podcast at Step Back Mavs. But uh Grant, I really appreciate it. We will definitely have to do it again uh, before the playoffs start.
1: Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.
2: Yes, sir. Guys, be sure to go like, rate, and subscribe on all your favorite podcast platforms. Be sure to uh, go join our Discord where we post the link to our watch parties. Uh, We're with the Playback app, and we are hosting watch watch parties for every single Mavs game, uh, regular season, and playoffs. You don't want to miss it. It's free. Uh, Just go click the link to that Discord uh, that I have I believe I have that pinned on the podcast account. And again, that's at step back Mavs and be sure to go uh, leave us a review on Spotify and Apple podcasts. And that automatically enters you for a chance to win some free Mavs tickets in the future. So uh, all you got to do is go leave us a review there and any future giveaways you're going to have a chance to win because you left that review. So appreciate it guys. We will talk to you next time. Probably, probably towards the end of this week, either Friday or Saturday. We'll see you.